we've got this bar stool store. Well, people only buy bar stools once. They don't really come back and buy more bar stools. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Traffic Jam Podcast, episode number three. Thank you so much for listening in. My name is James Reynolds, and I'm here each week along with my special guests to give you as much information and inspiration as possible to get your website traffic cranking. Now, talking of special guests, I've got a very hippie, dippy master of e-commerce traffic on the show today, and that is Ezra Firestone. Ezra is kind of like this, uh, I don't know, New York yogi of traffic. He's, he's such a cool guy and a very interesting character. And we'll be discussing on today's show how to leverage multiple traffic channels to drive a huge abundance of traffic to an e-commerce store. So stay tuned for that. And of course, coming up a little later in the show, we've got the regular segments, this week's news in traffic, plus the one minute traffic tip. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. So without any further ado, let's dive into today's feature interview with Ezra Firestone. Okay, so welcome to the call. My special guest for today, Ezra Firestone. James, thanks so much for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it. Now, before we get stuck right into the meat and potatoes, as the guys at uh, Lifestyle Business Podcast would say, let's paint a bit of a picture for our listeners of who Ezra Firestone is. Now, apart from eating 20 bananas a day and being a bit of a yoga fanatic, tell us a little bit about your background and what makes you tick, Ezra. Oh, man. Did you catch that episode already? I don't know where that came from. <laughs> we just recorded that last night. I don't know if James has been sharing that, but I'm a, I'm a bit of a strange dude. I'm really, really into this marketing stuff. Uh, I, I quite enjoy um, the science and psychology and systems behind what makes things work? What makes the human body perform at its highest level? What makes a business perform at its highest level? And so I spend a lot of time putting attention on, on those areas because that's what I'm interested in. And, you know, I grew up on a hippie commune. I've got um, a background with some pretty far out viewpoints and, uh, and viewpoints on lifestyle and viewpoints on mindset and business. And uh, I just, I really enjoy talking about that stuff. So I appreciate you having me on. Oh man, well I think this is going to be a bit of fun today, so I'm I'm really excited about it. Tell me a bit about though your your business activities. I know you've got um, you know you've got one thing that you're very focused on at the moment, which is your smart marketer website. Um, but you've also got an e-commerce store as well, which I'd really like to kind of focus in on today because. Really, the topic of conversation I want to discuss with you is all about e-commerce traffic. Um, first of all, just give us an overview of those two businesses and anything else that you've got in play right now. Sure, let's let's roll with those. So, Smart Marketer is my information hub. It's where I share my research. It's where I share with the community what I'm up to in in business. So, I'm talking about everything from traffic to conversion to you know e-commerce to info products, all that different stuff that I'm doing. Um, I share it's a free video blog, and it's just like I'm publishing what I'm up to. And 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 you know, at the beginning of this year, I was kind of looking around for another uh, project, another business project, and I considered doing another e-commerce store because that's my background and that's what I do. And I have a network of e-commerce stores, and the one that you're alluding to that I'm focusing on is a company called Boom by Cindy Joseph, and that's 
the first e-commerce store that I'm a part of that is not a drop ship store. So it's not a store where I'm retailing another manufacturer's products and they're warehousing those products for me and shipping them. We actually are manufacturing and importing these products, warehousing them ourselves and shipping them out. So it's a different e-commerce business model. It's more of a, a real asset. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit even, it's a step above uh, drop shipping in that regard as far as ownership over the uh, product line. And so I've got e-commerce stores and I have my Smart Marketer blog and Boom by Cindy Joseph is really the main focus for me as far as e-commerce goes. And it's a little different than the e-commerce that I've been doing because the e-commerce, the standard e-commerce, when people think about it, they think about the sort of um, big box store with a thousand SKUs and, yeah. you know, uh, um, and, and that's, that's a, a different model than what Boom is about. Got it. Well, let's focus on this a little bit for now, because I think e-commerce is is very much a hot topic of conversation. Everyone seems to be jumping on board with it. And having done a little bit of research, as I like to do for these interviews, some of the numbers that I was looking at were just absolutely mind-blowing. I'll share some of them with you. E-commerce last year, 2012, surpassed $200 billion, which I thought was absolutely flabbergasting. The third quarter of last year, um, PayPal recorded revenue per second of $4,500. Um, like the numbers are absolutely mind-blowing, and it's obviously changing fast. What are some of the big changes that are happening um, in e-commerce, Ezra, and how it's actually done right now? Here's what's going on. E-commerce got really popular 10 years ago. And then in our community of marketers and entrepreneurs, it's kind of fell from grace. People sort of stopped uh, having interest in it and were more interested in publishing ebooks and selling information products and doing services businesses. And those were sort of the hot and popular uh, business models to get started in. So we have sort of these um, stages of entrepreneurs who got started in the online marketing world. And when I got started, e-commerce was what was hot. And then a few years went by and this whole info product and affiliate marketing and CPA and all that stuff was hot. And now we're sort of seeing a resurgence from the entrepreneur interest level. So what entrepreneurs are interested in with e-commerce and what's going on is e-commerce is now the, the technology adoption curve. We've sort of crossed the chasm. There's a book called Crossing the Chasm that I recommend mm -hmm. uh, people read. But we've sort of we've we've gotten to the point where people are now comfortable, complete like it's a societal it's societally um, okay to purchase physical products online. Everyone, you know, the the it's it's you know, ten years ago you couldn't convince people to buy something with a credit card online. It just wasn't yeah. as widely accepted. And so we've gotten to this place where everyone's doing it and. In, the statistic is that for the last 10 years, quarter over or year over year, uh, e-commerce has grown 15%. And the, right now, total retail sales, if you look at total retail sales, only 8% of them are done online. Wow. And that number is just going to go up, up, up. And this year, actually, something crazy happened. Um, China, in China, China's, you know, what's happening is these other countries are sort of now uh, picking up on this and getting into e-commerce and, and internet sales of physical products. And there was the equivalent to the Chinese Valentine's Day, whatever, whatever that holiday is. <laughs> they did $3 billion Whoa. in uh, gro gross domestic product in a single day. And just to give you context, in America on Black Friday, we did a billion. 
So, and, and China's like, yeah, only 2% of their total sales are done online. So, you know, it's exploding in all these other countries. E-commerce is just starting out. It is the time. You're not too late. It's not too late to get into markets. Like right now is the time to get into the e-commerce business because 10, 15 years from now, it's going to be just enormous. Like it's, we're still, they say that, uh, this is Terry Lynn likes to say this, a guy from, uh, buildmyonlinestore.com, which is a great e-commerce podcast, uh, that they say the internet is in its infancy. Well, e-commerce is a baby. It's just so small. It's so small compared to where it's going. And we are sort of lucky enough to be on the forefront of this movement. We're the pioneers in the digital space. And so it's just a really cool time to be involved with e-commerce. So we kind of just reached or, or getting close to reaching that that tipping point where it's just become an acceptable way to actually buy stuff I, again i'm having read some stats on this as i really like to do and when i dive deep on this stuff i think 70 something like 70 percent of people now know that they or, or think that they can get a better deal online than they can do in their high street stores so are actively looking to make purchases online whereas before perhaps they would have been a little bit skeptical about it is it really that kind of adoption that we've you know got to the kind of the tipping point of people are going to best buy to look at the product and look at it in person and then they just sit from the store in be- from Best Buy. They just go online and buy it on Amazon for a cheaper price. So they're using <laughs> these big box stores as, as like ways to see the product. And so what's happening is these stores are like closing down their, their big retail locations. They're only housing a few of their products. Like the bigger stores are now starting to uh, are starting to recognize that they need to change their model and that filling warehouses with products in the middle of the country is not necessarily the best model anymore. And now, they're, they're so like these bigger brands are st- sort of starting to adopt e-commerce retail. And if you go out right now, if you're walking around in New York City, I'd say about 20% of the shops, uh, 20% of the stores that you know sell products and stuff have the ability for you to purchase online while you're in there or have an online component or allow you to purchase their products online. And, and I would, I would um, I'm going to go out ahead and make a, uh, uh, what's the word here? Uh, a prediction are you going to be peering into your crystal ball yeah exactly (laughs) i'm going to go ahead i'm going to go ahead and make a prediction and i'm going to say that within the next five years 60 percent of all these stores will have the ability for you to shop online buy the product online and go in and pick it up i think that retail stores are going to start embracing e-commerce they just have to yeah absolutely and i guess it goes further than this it goes you know almost through to these virtual stores that you see nowadays as well i saw a great um, video clip. I think it was the other day that was this um, this sort of virtual touch point store that was in a train station, I think, and people would just kind of scan past, hit a few buttons, and then you know, lo and behold, a couple of hours later, their um, products would turn up on their doorstep without them really having to go out of their way to actually get them ordered. I mean, the development of this stuff is absolutely mind blowing. It, it is. It's it's exciting. Like I I can't sleep at night thinking about this stuff. Sometimes I'm that I'm that excited about where things oh. are. And so I guess the question is, how can people leverage this? How can they take advantage of this? What, what's available to them with, you know, what's available to e- small e-commerce business owners who are just sort of getting into this? What channels are available to them from a traffic standpoint? Yeah. Talk about that. Well, of course, you are leveraging this yourself, Ezra. Tell us a little bit about Boom by Cindy Joseph, because I'd kind of like to use that as the sort of the case study for our um, conversation today. What is Boom by Cindy Joseph? What's the website like? And actually, what do you guys sell? 
So Boom by Cindy Joseph is a line of pro-age cosmetics. And so uh, in America and in London and in Australia and pretty much everywhere, um, the way that societal value works is that men are valued for their production. So as we make more money and as we get older, we get more social power. Well, women, on the other hand, are valued for youth and beauty. And that stems back to 100 years ago when women really were more valuable in society during their childbearing years. And so as women get older and, and the youth goes away, society sort of casts them aside and, and ignores them and gives them less power. And in America, we have the baby boomer generation. There's, eight, there's 79 million baby boomers, half of which are women. And they're all collectively having this experience of their skin wrinkling and their hair going gray and their bodies are aging on the outside faster than they are on the inside. And society's treating them differently as a result and they don't like it. And so every product line out there, everything is all anti-age, anti-wrinkle, you know, you're wrong the way you are. And so our messaging behind our products is you age, you are fine just as you are. You are beautiful. You are the right age, the right size, the right shape. And you shouldn't be caking stuff on to cover yourself up. Yeah, you can use cosmetics to celebrate yourself and celebrate who you are. And so when Cindy and I started this company, uh, I went to, I came to Cindy and I said, hey, we should, you know, you, you've been amazing. Cindy Joseph is uh, a genius for one. Let's just throw that out there. But she's also an amazing person. And she was a makeup artist uh, for 25 years. And she then was asked to begin modeling the day that she cut off her last bit of dyed hair at the age of 49. And she became uh, you know, a supermodel and she's on billboards in Times Square and all that stuff. And she sort of became the face of this generation of baby boomer women. And when we, start, when we first had the discussion of um, you know, should we create a product line around this? And she was like, you know, the world does not need another tube of lipstick. So it's not really about the products. And of course, our products are organic and they're handmade and they're amazing and all that stuff. But it's more about the messaging. And it was the right time. See, business, like I'm talking about with e-commerce, when we're at the right time. Well, it was the right time for this message. This group of people, there was nobody giving this group of people reality on the viewpoint that they were right and that they were fine and that they were good. And like, so it was the right time for this message to this community, which is why it's working so well. The timing was just impeccable. Anyways, I I don't know if that was just a rant or... (laughs) No, that was spot on, Ezra. I'm I'm totally with you. And I agree, we don't need another um, stick of lipstick. Um, I want to look at the mechanics of... um, you know, kind of how the how the store or the retail model works. First question for you is, do you guys just purely retail online or do you have any sort of form of offline component for, for Boom? You know, we're in a couple spas and a couple, um, you know, stores here and there throughout the country. And uh, we've been on HSN, which is the home shopping network. And we're looking at the channel of, uh, of television shopping networks as a channel to... Uh, retail these products, 95% of our sales are done through our website. And that's deliberate. When you start looking at uh, selling products through channels like Costco and Walmart and these kind of sort of bigger box retail stores, um, the, the margins that they take, it's just, in, like, yeah. it's, it's, just uh, it's not a very good model from a profit margin standpoint. It's a great model if you want to build a brand, you got a bunch of money, you don't care about losing money on the front end because what they do is they realize the exposure that they're giving you. They realize uh, what it's going to do for your brand to be on the shelf of Walmart. I mean, not, not that we really want to be on the shelf of Walmart, honestly, <laughs> but they, they, they make it expensive. They don't, you don't make a profit yeah. from that experience. You make a profit from people now knowing that your brand exists, but you do make a profit 
And the thing about these products is it's better when it's like if you're just sitting on the shelf of Walmart and someone walks by and there's no information about your product, they're not necessarily going to take a look at it or really engage with it. And this is the thing that I think business owners, like our whole business is based around building a community and building, creating a relationship with our customers and engaging them so that they become a customer each and every month and that they that we have repeat sales. So we're not just focused on generating traffic and we're not just focused on turning that traffic into buyers. What we're most focused on is once we have a customer creating a relationship with them and pro- providing relevant and useful content and information that's relevant to the problems and conversations that they're having so that they are interested in engaging with us for the long haul. If you're in a spa, if you're in a small grocery store and the owner or the employees of that store take the time to educate the people who come in about your product line, now it's worth being in those places because what's happening is you're actually having someone push your products and talk to people about it and spread your message and it's not just a product sitting on a shelf somewhere. Got it. Got it. And all this stuff's really interesting to me looking at the actual website itself because to kind of naked eyes, it isn't what you would consider to be a typical e-commerce store. I mean, for instance, I had a look at it and you don't lead with the products. I think the first item on the navigation is in fact your blog section. Um, The site's got about 250 indexed pages, but only about, I guess maybe only about half a dozen of those are actually product pages. You've just got a content monster there that's kind of building up this whole story about, you know, who Cindy is and and the message behind the products. I'm hearing now this is totally intentional. It wasn't just an accident that it worked out that way. Is this a, a strategy? that you see now as being the new way to do e-commerce, Ezra? I think it is. I think it's the I think it's the only way that you can survive in our social economy. And I think that the day in the age of the faceless e-commerce store, which is what I used to build when I first got into the game, which is just a store with a bunch of products on it. It's got no uh, message behind it, no face behind it, no nothing, no no value beyond the products themselves. I think now the the key to building a business fine if you want to build a little e-commerce store that's going to make you some money or whatever but if you want to build an asset if you want to build a brand if you want to build something that's going to be around for the long haul you need to figure out ways that you can add value to your marketplace beyond the products that you're selling and this could look like informational guides about those products educational content um you know your viewpoints on cuz the thing is People who purchase products, like let's take our, our, our product line here. We've got a very specific community of people who purchase these products. Well, we're not talking to them about our products very often. In fact, we very rarely are talking about our products. We're more talking to them about the conversations and topics that are relevant to their lives, like menopause and gray hair and wrinkling skin, all that kind of stuff that like is relevant to our community. So no matter what your product line is, you can have a look at who is the community of people who are engaging with this product line. Like take you and I, for example, we're in the marketing and entrepreneurial community. So we talk to people about like mindset and lifestyle and things that wouldn't necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily consider to be 100% relevant to marketing, but they are because this person is, it's a whole person beyond just the product that they're interested in. And I think that the, I think, yeah, I think it's absolutely key and intentional and deliberate. And it's, uh, it's how we're differentiating ourselves, and it's working really, really well. Because when we do talk about our products, when we do make offers, people take us up yeah. on them because we have a relationship with them, because they trust us, because they're you know, because we're engaging with them on a consistent basis. Excellent. Well, let's talk a little bit about 
some of the ways in which you're building this community, Ezra? What are some of the sort of mechanics in play in terms of the content that you're putting out and um, where you're actually putting that stuff? Sure. It's really, really simple, actually. Um, Here's the thing about community is in order to build a relationship with someone, you need consistent interaction. You need consistent relating. You have to do things on a regular basis. Like you, if you, you want to you make a really good friend with someone, schedule a weekly date where you guys do something together. Mm-hmm. Like for example, a friend of mine, go and we train Muay Thai kickboxing once a week. One of my best friends. I love this guy because I see him all the time. We're relating over something. We have a common goal. Like the, the way that you build relationships with people is by interacting with them on a regular basis. And so with regard to building a uh, community, it all starts with one piece of content on some kind of scheduled basis, like what you're doing with your podcast. You're putting out a podcast once a week. Well, we put out a video once a week. We create a video, and it's a video where it's Cindy, and she's talking. And it's really simple. No, no frills, no crazy production value, no music, just Cindy in front of the camera talking about life and talking about aging or talking about whatever, you know, whatever's of interest to the community. We Then we take that video – we post it out to all the different channels, and I want to talk to you guys about channels because they're very, very important from a traffic standpoint, which we'll get to in e-commerce. Each different business model has channels that it can occupy, has channels that it can leverage to generate traffic. If you think about uh, – this is what Google's doing with universal search. So Google figured out a couple years ago now that different groups of people prefer to consume media in different formats. Some people like to listen to MP3. Some people like to watch videos. Some people like to read text. And so in their search result page for any given query, they have all of these different media formats. And also they understand, uh, they understand the queries based on user intent. So they understand whether or not someone's searching for information. And if they're searching for information, if it's an informational query, Google will display blogs and news websites and press releases and videos and whatever, right? And if they're searching for an e-commerce product or if it's a commercial intent query, they'll display shopping channels and they'll display images and they'll display videos. And so they understand these different channels and these different media formats based on query intent and they display that. So what we do is we take our piece of content and we syndicate it to all the different channels where people are hanging out. People are hanging out on Google, right? So we optimize it and we upload it to YouTube. People are ha- uh, so that it ranks in Google. People are hanging out on YouTube and watching videos there. People are on Facebook engaging with us there. There's people on Twitter. There's people on Pinterest. There's people who are on iTunes listening to podcasts and consuming media in this format. So when you understand all these different channels, you can take one piece of content and you can uh, set it up so that it's relevant for that channel, like extracting the audio from your video and uploading it to iTunes, having your video transcribed and posting it to your blog, uploading your video to YouTube, posting it to Facebook. So we syndicate our piece of content out to all these different channels, and then we boost it by running advertising directly to that content and running search engine optimization campaigns to that content so that it ranks in Google, so that we're running ads to it on Facebook, and we sort of uh, ensure that, like, I think there's no community out there in the world right now that I can't get in front of. And it's a little bit scary when I think about it because it, it used to be, it used to be that the bigger brands, that the bigger companies, that the bigger, you know, uh, that the government had control over the messaging because the, the, the only medium was television and radio and newspaper, right? Those were the mediums of consumption of information. Well, now with Facebook and with the internet, anybody can spread a message. And it's really scary when you think about that because people are out there influencing mass groups of people through the, through this medium. And we're doing the same thing. We're just influencing them 
with the goal of bettering their lives. Yeah. But, you know, not everyone's doing that. So it's an interesting sort of uh, time that we're in, again, back to this whole timing thing. Well, perhaps we'll go on and talk about that in a short while, because I know with regards to podcasting, especially Ezra, you've been getting some fantastic results there and you've been able to kind of outrank big, burly, large businesses who you would think would control that space. Um, so we'll come on to that topic of conversation, I guess, in a, in a short while. But let's look at the specifics of preparing content and promoting it using different modalities. And I know you and I are going to be well aligned on this in terms of perhaps how we do it. So in the case of Cindy Joseph, what do you do first? You create a video and then what are the other parts of the process involved for a typical update each week for that site? Sure. Let's take, let's take the content creation for, for, for Boom. Video gets created. We, we edit that video and throw a bumper on it, right? A little branding piece, you know, do a little bit of music and a little logo on the front and the back. We take that video we post it out to our blog. We have that video transcribed through a service called SpeechPad, SpeechPad.com. We post that transcription to our blog. We take that video, we upload it to Facebook we up and, and post it out to our community there. We share it on Twitter, we share it on Google+, we share it on LinkedIn. So anyone who's following us on all of those uh, mediums can see it. We extract the audio from that video and upload it to iTunes for our podcast. Now, the podcast has not actually been launched. We've just got a huge bank of episodes waiting to go because it was one of the later additions. I just recently got into podcasting, so I've just learned about this new syndication method, and I can leverage all my old content to um, put it out in that, in that channel. Uh, we ha we pin it over to Pinterest so our followers on Pinterest can see it. And then we set up Facebook ads, and we run those ads we we upload our we actually take our video and we upload the video to Facebook itself. So we upload the video file straight to Facebook so people can watch the video right in Facebook. It's not a link to a YouTube video. And we do this because it gets a lot more engagement and the cost per click is much cheaper uh, when we're running uh, traffic to the videos that have been uploaded through to Facebook rather than when we're running traffic or Facebook ads straight to a YouTube link or to our blog post page. Uh, we have a custom image created, and we make that the thumbnail and we, when we, for our YouTube channel. Uh, and then we uh, do some press releases and some SEO stuff to, uh, to promote that, that video and that blog post uh, in the search engines. And that's really it. I mean, it's just one piece of content that gets transcribed and uploaded and syndicated and spread and advertised. Like The syndication of the content is, is the simple part. The hard part is the message match. Yeah. So, uh, consistently having messaging that matches what your people are interested in. And the easiest way to create that is to trust your own viewpoints on the community and on the topics that are relevant to the community and then talk about them. So speak from your viewpoint of what's going on. People want to know what you think, what your brand thinks about these products, about this topic. And that is how you and, – and, and as controversial as it might be, like our podcast – this new podcast I'm doing with Shramco, uh, thinkactget.com, is a really controversial and far out, strange podcast about lifestyle and marketing and business. But it's what we believe, and we're really enjoying it. And because it's authentic and, and it's truthful and it's coming from our viewpoints, people like it. So I think that that the key here is not try to like you know frill things out or create extra stuff, but to really just speak from your viewpoints on the marketplace. And if you're in, if you have a business, if you're selling a certain kind of product, you've got, you, there's something that, you know, you, you have viewpoints on this. So it's actually a really, really simple model. Excellent. Good. Well, I'd like to talk about some kind of traffic numbers and, and the result of this 
exercise in respect of um, Boom by Cindy Joseph. I guess with that site, you've got to be building up a strong brand now and a, and a real good following. What percentage of your traffic is kind of repeat and return traffic? And what percentage of your traffic is actually new traffic to the site? 65% of our sales are, are return visitors. Wow. So someone who had visited us sometime in the, in the past month. And that's an incredible amount of sales. And get this, 50% of our traffic, I think it's like 58% at this point, uh, I, haven't, I haven't looked in it in the last couple of days, um, is direct. Either someone typed in our URL they typed in our brand name or they came directly to our website. So, and this is the other thing about doing this branding, uh, doing about creating a brand around your store and, and having a presence and having people know about you and, and you know, creating uh, recognition and visibility for your brand is you fortify yourself from Google rankings. You fortify yourself from your AdWords account getting slapped because people are actually looking for you. Like if we lost all of our rankings, if we lost our advertising account, it doesn't matter because half our traffic is coming from people who are looking specifically for us. The key with traffic is diversity, right? So you want to be doing this uh, community building model, but you don't want to not be doing remarketing and and uh, and retargeting, or you don't want to not be doing Google AdWords and Facebook ads and Amazon ads and LinkedIn or whatever whatever channels you're using to advertise on. I think the key is, to, and here's the thing: take one at a time. Get good at one. Get your search engine optimization campaigns down and running and optimized and going well, and then move on to setting up your paid advertising campaigns. And I am a big uh, proponent of paid advertising. I know we're talking about organic and social and all that stuff, but how are we boosting this this content that we're putting out there? How are we actually getting it out in front of people? We're buying that. Yeah. We're paying for Facebook ads to have this content go out in front of all the women in America. It's not like it's just happening for us for free. And the cool thing about buying visibility is that if people, if if you've got something good, well, you only have to buy that visibility for that person yeah. once because they'll come and they'll hop on, they'll like your Facebook page, they'll hop on your email list, and now you've got a customer for life. Well, you've got that back end, you know, pr- pretty damn tight by the sounds of it. I mean, if 60% of your traffic is sort of type in or brand search traffic, you know, people obviously know about that brand and are looking out for that brand. Once you get people, as you say, into the system, they're there. I mean, they're, they're obviously becoming, you know, a real... And I, and I, sorry to interrupt you. Well, I think that, um, that the key is with your, with your business model that you have some reason, right? If you've got, like, for example, we've got this bar stool store. Well, we've got this bar stool store. Well, people only buy bar stools once. They don't really come back and buy more bar stools. Mm-hmm. And so the, the question on, on the table is, what, what else can we offer? What other, what other product lines are complementary? Well, maybe pub tables, maybe lamps, or who knows? But some other offers so that these customers that we've generated, the work that we've done to create a customer doesn't go to waste. It's not a one-and-done type of deal. You know, that's why services are so good because when you're selling services, it's a subscription model. If, they, if, if they're getting benefits and value from your services, they'll come back. And the interesting and cool thing about a cosmetic industry is that our cosmetic business and skincare business is that you know this is stuff that's consumable. Yeah. People consume it and then they want it again. So consumables are a good thing. Excellent, good. All right. So we've spoken about a few of the traffic sources in play. We we're doing search traffic. We've got different paid traffic going on in terms of um, Facebook and and Google ads. What about social traffic? What's effective um, in the social arena? Sure. And I just want to throw in another traffic channel for e-commerce, uh, another traffic source, and that is channels. Google Shopping, Price Grabber, The Find, 
you know, Bing, well, Bing is now price grabber, but, uh, you know, the Amazon, eBay, right? You have these, you have these channels in the physical product space where people are actively going and looking for products. Mm. And so, uh, it's a, it's a, for, for people who are doing the, the, um, multiple item e-commerce store model channels are a huge huge opportunity and again the easiest way to get your products out into a channel is to run advertising so you upload those products to either amazon or price grabber or whatever it is and every single one of these channels allows you to buy advertising within that channel and promote your items within their channel so when people are searching on amazon you've got amazon product ads from external websites you can upload all your products to amazon uh, upload them to um, – sorry, you can set up an advertising campaign in Amazon and run what's called external product ads. And basically when someone's looking at a dog bed, if they look down the page underneath the reviews section, it's going to say you know, uh, products from external websites. And you can list your products there. You can run products – you can upload your products into Amazon and run products – run ads directly to your products in Amazon. So you can run ads within these channels. And so and, – and those are often the, the highest yielding um, – uh, sources of revenue in terms of conversion and profitability because people are actually specifically looking for products. It's even better than a Google search. It's even better than Google AdWords because they're actively engaged in the search for a product on a, a more intense level than just searching for it on Google. Good. Well, last week I had on the show um, a guy called Jason Miles, who's the author of uh, Pinterest Power, and he's actually got a a small online e-commerce store that sells patterns for dolls and dolls clothing. He was, of course, topic of conversation was Pinterest. He was, of course, getting really good results with Pinterest. How's Pinterest as a channel been for Boom by Cindy Joseph? You know, it's a decent channel. We post stuff out there uh, and we see sales coming in from Pinterest. People are pinning our stuff, but it's not something. In fact, I'm going to listen to that podcast because it's not a channel that I really have much attention on or have done much with. We see sales coming in from it, which is cool. We have not, we're not seeing significant results from Pinterest. And I think that's probably just because we don't have significant amounts of attention on that channel. All right. Um, and what else in this the sort of social area is good? I guess you guys are, are tapping into Facebook. You already mentioned that you're doing Facebook ads. I, I think Facebook is the social <clears throat> commerce channel. And the thing about social is how do you define social? Is social when someone buys your product and opens up the box and they see a coupon code in there and they take that coupon and they give it to their friend and they say, hey, you should check out this product line? Is social um, when, you know, when people are at a dinner party and they're talking about you, – you know, is social confined to the online world and the social media channels? I don't think mm-hmm. so. I think social is people relating about your products and recommending them to one another and that we do – better than just about anyone because we've got a message. When you have a message, when you have a topic of conversation that is beyond just the product itself and the product relates to it, that's when you're really doing social. As far as social channels go, Facebook is our channel. Yeah, we're on Twitter. Yeah, we're on LinkedIn. Yeah, we're on Google+. But people don't come together the way they come together on Facebook, on any other social channel out there in my experience. And so I think that if you're going to focus on just one, Facebook is the channel. Cool. Well, let's kind of bring it towards a close now, Ezra, but I don't want to do that until we've kind of touched a little bit on podcasting because I'm indeed getting very excited about it. And you are too um, with your new podcast, Think, Act, Get. Just tell us a little bit more about the the podcast. I've really been enjoying it, but um, I'd like to share some of that with our listeners and tell us about some of the results that you've been getting. So let's just talk about podcasting as a channel iTunes, right? It's it's a uh, 
the reason why I think podcasting is such a fantastic channel is because people who listen to podcasts, everyone listening to this podcast, you're really smart people. You know, they're, they're actually when you when you when you look at the demographics of podcast listeners, they're uh, more highly educated and. You know, these people own Apple devices. They, just on average, the Apple customer is a higher value uh, subscriber than, let's say, someone who just randomly finds your blog through Twitter or whatever. And that's not to like make any judgment from that kind of <laughs> stuff. That's just like when you when you when you look at the hard facts based on who's consuming what forms of media, the the um, the the people who consume podcasts are a really good group of people to be. Uh, to be engaged with because these are people who are actively engaged in self-growth. They're consuming information that is either entertaining for them or is educational for them. And so the podcasting channel is fantastic and it's earlier than e-commerce. There's nobody doing these things. There's nobody really – like any market out there, you can throw a podcast up and it's the easiest thing to do in the world. You just – there's a plugin called Blueberry. You record your audio, you upload it with an image, and you're done. It's really, really simple to put up a podcast. Now, the, the key to, to having a successful podcast, again, is having people engage with it and come back and listen to it and download it. And our podcast, Think, Act, Get, is a little bit out there. Uh, it's a really, really fun podcast. And it, the, 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 the precipice behind it is, is what you think determines how you act, and how you act determines what you get. So... Um, and then it just covering that in all areas of life and business. And it's really, really fun because we're exploring how your mind is, affects your, the results you see in your life and, and how what you think and what you do actually has a result on your universe and what you create in the world. And it's a really fun podcast. And we, we started out in the self-help um, section of iTunes and we very quickly – um, got up to number seven in I think it's number seven in Australian iTunes and number three, or, or number three in Australia and number seven in America. Whatever we beat out Oprah in self help, which was really really fun <laughs> and the, and 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 kind of cool. And so and then we moved over to business and and we we got to the number one um, spot in Australian iTunes and the number six spot in U.S. iTunes in the business and management and marketing section uh, for a while there. And now we just kind of flush. I think right now we're sitting at number fourteen or something. Um, but it's really cool and people are liking it and um, and and it's just an, a fun way. You know, obviously, as you can tell, I like to talk, you know, and James <laughs> likes to talk and it's just a really cool, fun podcast. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about podcasting as a channel. <laughs> so are we going to be seeing the uh, the Ezra Firestone chat show ousting Oprah on the on the TV coming up? That would be absolutely awesome. <laughs> Oh, man. Move over. <laughs> I've got a, I've got another podcast actually, um, the Smart Marketer podcast. My blog, smartmarketer.com. I'm I'm starting a uh, podcast, which actually I'm going to interview you on. So uh, sounds good. Uh, yeah, I'll you know. Anyways, you you'll probably send that out so people can get that interview. Excellent, good stuff. Well, should we just mention those websites then as good places to connect with you, Ezra? Thinkactget.com and uh, smartmarketer.com? Yes, come say hi. Let me know what you're up to. I'd love to hear from you. If there's a way I can be of service, let me know. Um, one of the things that I really like doing is this is like one of it, it, this is what I'm passionate about is uh, talking to other business owners and entrepreneurs who are into the same stuff that I'm into about what's going on with them and where you are in your business and what experiences you're having and how your viewpoints differ from mine and like that is that's the fun stuff that's the good stuff that's what I enjoy so um please come by and say hi and and uh you know 
it, let's engage. Awesome. Well, I'm sure we'll have a few people listening in right now who fit that profile. So head on over and connect with Ezra. Ezra, thanks, buddy. Um, it's been a lot of fun today. And um, I look forward to catching up with you again on your show and uh, hope to catch you soon. Thanks, James. I appreciate it, man. This week's news in traffic. Well, it's been a busy seven days in social media this week. LinkedIn, Google Plus and Facebook all releasing announcements. Let's start off with LinkedIn. Well, they've just come up with some tips on how to better manage your LinkedIn company page. So if that's an area of responsibility for you, go and check out their recommendations over on the LinkedIn blog. They've also announced this week that their endorsements feature has reached a total of 1 billion endorsements across LinkedIn profiles. And they've also noted that since adding endorsements, that recommendations on LinkedIn have also increased. So if you're not taking advantage of endorsements, it's probably a good way to get your LinkedIn profile moving up a gear or two. Google Plus, well, they've made some updates to their profiles, which now feature a much bigger cover image and some easier ways to go and edit your profile. They should already be live on your own account. So if you want to check those out, go to plus.google.com forward slash new to see your own profile. Or if you want to check out mine, because I have already updated my cover image, go to circlejames.com and you'll be redirected to my Google Plus page. And of course, whilst you're over there, make sure you connect with me as well. And finally, a news coming out of Facebook. They've made some updates to their news feed, which now features bigger images in the stories that are shown there and the opportunity for you to select the type of feed that you view from your own profile. So go check those out over at Facebook. I think they're slowly integrating them into profiles over the coming weeks. So it may not be available for you yet, but will be coming soon. I've got to give a bit of a whoop out this stage because after a couple of episodes into Traffic Jam, we've got a first five star iTunes review and it's from Alice in Cambridge, England, who said, love the first two episodes of Traffic Jam. Anyone responsible for marketing their business should tune into this show. Looking forward to seeing how the show develops. Well, thank you, Alice. We have some big guests lined up on Twitter, LinkedIn, Media Buys, and much more coming up in the next few weeks. So keep on listening in. I know you're going to love what we've got coming up for you. Trafficjamcast.com. If you have a comment or a question that you would like me to answer on the show, or perhaps even a suggestion for the types of topics that you would like covered on forthcoming episodes, head on over to trafficjamcast.com. And also remember, we've still got open our competition for last week, which was to win a signed copy of Jason Miles' Pinterest Power Book. And that's going to go to the best comment or question on last week's show. So again, head on over to the site and submit your comment and question beneath last week's episode to be in with a chance of winning that book. The one minute traffic tip this week is a really sneaky, invisible stalker strategy that's called Google remarketing. And it's the ability to tag people who have visited your website and then serve them up advertising via the Google AdWords display network as they browse around the internet. 
Now, my good friend Mike Rose describes this as having an invisible email list, and essentially it is because you'll have all of these prospects who have at some time paid interest in your products or services that you can tap into at any time in the future with a message that's timely and relevant to them. Now, what are some of the opportunities? Well, you could serve up a set of advertising to people who have visited your products page with a second chance or discounted offer to try and get them over the line and make a purchase. You could also send seasonal promotions to people who already know about you. For instance, you've got a January sale or a summer discount. Send promotions to these people via Google Display Advertising. They already know about your company and they're very likely to convert. Now, we're getting some great results with Google remarketing ourselves. And in fact, we do offer it as a service over at clickjam.com. So shameless plug, if you'd like to know more about Google remarketing, then hit us up over at ClickJam. That's clickjam.com. And we can get you stalking your prospects around the internet right away. Okay, so that rounds up another episode of Traffic Jam. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. I really would appreciate that. Playing us out this week is another classic track, this time from the year 1992 from a band who actually just reformed last year and I was lucky enough to hear them a couple of times, both of which were phenomenal sets. The track is Pennies from Heaven and the band is Inner City. Enjoy. Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website trafficjamcast.com.